0: We'll turn up the light here in a second. We are so excited uh, to be here. Still hoping that the snow will arrive by Friday, um, but I'm glad that the roads were clear this morning. Uh, see a few new faces here today. So excited uh, to meet you, and um, just exciting to be together as a family. Uh, this it it is exciting to be able to do something bigger than ourselves. And I was just looking. There are 195 countries globally. Christmas is the most widely celebrated holiday in the world. There are only 14 countries that don't officially celebrate Christmas. And believe me, they all know it's happening. They know it's happening, they're mostly a few very intensely Muslim countries in the east, but they still know it's happening, even though it's not officially on their national calendar. This is a time when we get to focus along with the entire world on what God has done for us. Let's start by reading from Luke chapter 2 verse 8. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. That is what we're celebrating today. And we have the opportunity to celebrate simultaneously with nearly the entire world. And some people get uh, focused on, well, well, is, is December 25th really the day? Maybe not. Maybe not. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly. We have some clues. We know what the shepherds were doing. I've, I've seen different dates be proposed by different people. But here's what we know. Christmas is the time when the world unites to consider, reflect, and remember what Jesus did. So regardless of whether we got the date right, we're all focused together. And it is it is an amazing It is an amazing thing to realize that the entire globe at one time will be considering what God has done. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace is... Is where I want to put my focus. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He said in first or John 14, 27, he said, Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Christmas is about peace. Jesus is is about peace. And we could use some peace. I was looking at some statistics, and they said, generally speaking, this was a statistic from, I think, 2016. They said that each holiday season, there is an increase in anxiety and depressions of about 36%. And that's a normal Christmas season. This has not been a normal Christmas season. We have been in a time... I I was looking to see if, if there was any statistic out there that would say it. I came across multiple articles that claimed that anxiety and depression is up threefold this year because of all of the things that are going on. And it just reminded me, it is time to remember focus on, understand, and receive from the Prince of Peace. Many of us consider peace to be the lack of something, the lack of conflict, the lack of war. What is peace? Well, peace is when nobody's fighting. But biblically, there's a lot more to the peace that Jesus brings. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, you can forget that at christmas time you know there, there there is something to say about eating and eating but that's not the kingdom of god but it is righteousness peace and joy in the holy spirit he says the kingdom of god isn't just eating and drinking but it's righteousness peace and joy in the holy spirit peace is one third of what the kingdom of god is It's so important to recognize that Jesus came to bring us peace. What is it that steals our peace? Why is it that there is such an increase of anxiety right now? The, the COVID pandemic, no matter how fearful you are of the actual virus, the the policies and everything have affected your life, whether you ever got that disease or not. We are affected in many different ways. Our employments, our children's school, our daily schedule, our everything is being affected. And when something happens and you you are being drastically affected and you don't feel like you have a lot of input back that has a frustrating effect. When we look at our circumstances, when we feel that our circumstances are outside of our control, for many people, that causes a sense of panic, of anxiety. But how many of us consider in those moments that it's not entirely it may not be in my control. But God is still on the throne. The surprises that have come through this year may have surprised all of us. They weren't a surprise to God. He, he, he knew since the beginning of time. He knew what was coming. And he says his kingdom will bring peace. When we focus on what is outside of our control, and it it brings us to a place that is not a healthy place to be. When, When our focus is on what we can't touch, what we can't impact, and we look at what is outside of our control, we will naturally become anxious. Most of us have heard the, the famous prayer of serenity. It was written by a theologian, Reinhold Niebuhr, And he said, grant me, God, the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, says, finally, brothers and sisters... Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. I want to jump forward. The verse right before that is verse 6. And it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus let's let's just read that again thinking about this year do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. What is thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is intentional focus on that which is positive and appreciated. Thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You can have a request with thanksgiving. You can ask God for something that you don't already have in a spirit of thanksgiving. How do you do that? How do you focus on that which you have while asking for that which you don't have? Could it have something to do with trusting that it's coming? If we ask in thanksgiving, We are bringing our petitions to the Lord, understanding that he hears us and that he is answering. It says, and the peace of God. How many want that peace? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Then the next verse says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. The kingdom of God isn't just about the absence of conflict. It's about the presence of peace, the presence of the prince of peace. When Jesus is the primary focus, when He and and our understanding of His greatness, of His mercy, of His goodness, of His faithfulness becomes our focus, then we will have that peace. His peace conquers fear, dread, shame, guilt, regret. Jesus' peace goes beyond what the circumstance looks like. The peace of God is inward, not outward. Jesus brings a calm within circumstances in spite of any storm. Remember the story of Jesus asleep on the boat during the storm when the disciples were so anxious? When he woke up, he released peace to the storm. That's only what Jesus can do. This Christmas, we are celebrating the Prince of Peace who is in the boat with us. We may look around and say, it's an awfully stormy year. But the Prince of Peace has come and we are celebrating that he is here. Jesus has a peace that will influence What happens around him, whether the storm, sickness, disease, demon-possessed. The gospel, Ephesians 6.15 says, that we should shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The gospel is about peace. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. What is the good news about? The good news is the Christmas story. That We were in need of a Savior, and God sent a Savior, and He sent Him as a human baby to be born amongst us, to grow up but live a sinless life, making Him the only acceptable sacrifice for our sin. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 through 14 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace who made both one and who has and who has broken down the middle wall of separation now i think it was last week we talked about separation recognize what death is death is not the end Death is a separation. When Adam and Eve sinned, they died spiritually. Did they cease to exist? No, but they were separated from God. The communion that they had with God was broken by the sin that now was in their life. When someone passes away, do they cease to exist? But they're separated, their spirit, from their body. Death is a separation. Let's read that verse over again as we consider that. It says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation." A big part of what peace is, is communion with God. It is the removal of separation. Peace is spiritual life and health and communion with God. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. We are cleansed by what Jesus came and did for us. That's how it affects me. We are cleansed and my conscience is cleansed. It affects others with forgiveness Genesis 13, 7, 9 says, and there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock and the Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abraham said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is it not the whole, is not the whole land before you? Please, separate from me. If you take the left, then I'll go to the right. If you take the right, I will go to the left. We know the story. Abraham and his nephew Lot were each prospering to a point that their shepherds and and employees were basically fighting. And Abraham, even though he was the greater of the two, in order to avoid strife, said to lot you pick if you take this valley i'll take the the mountains if you take the mountains i'll take the valley and what did lot do lot took what looked like the best choice he looked off at the valley towards what was then sodom and gomorrah and said that looks the most fertile i want that and he chose that then look what happened when, when Abraham made a sacrifice for the sake of peace and to avoid strife. Genesis 13. And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are. Northward, southward, eastward, and westward. Did did he have him exclude the section that Lot had just taken? North, south, east, west. He, he looked... The whole thing. And he, he, he gave that to him. He says, that's all to be yours. You see, Abraham made a sacrifice for peace, for unity. And oftentimes we think, well, I'm going to sacrifice for peace. But that's not how it works. You see, there's a spiritual principle working Behind the scenes, when you make a sacrifice for the sake of peace, the Bible calls it turning the other cheek. When instead of lashing out with vengeance or hostility, when you take the high road, God blesses you. Psalms 133, 11 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. We are called to be carriers of God's peace. The Bible says that we as Christians will be known by our churches. No. We'll be known by our fish bumper stickers. No. The Bible says that we will be known by our love. Love is self-sacrificing. Love gives. Ephesians four three says it this way. It says, endeavoring to keep the unity. You and I are called to be ambassadors of God's peace in the world. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit of the bond of Peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as we were called in hope, in one hope of calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all spiritual gifts. But to each one of you, us, grace was given according to the measures of Christ's gifts. We each are called. To endeavor to keep the unity. It doesn't say uniformity. It says unity. Notice that it gets down there and it says that we each are given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. We have different gifts. We have different graces. Not all of us have the same strengths and weaknesses, different personality traits, different spiritual gifts, different perspectives on the same thing? Imagine that the same thing happens and we all look at it and we, we look at it differently. We aren't called to be identical. We are called to strive for unity and peace. Luke 5 or excuse me, Luke 5, Luke 10, verse 5, says, but whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. Peace to this house. Romans sixteen twenty says, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you, amen. I like that verse. It almost seems like an oxymoron the way that we would think of it. It's a little bit ironic that he'd say, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. We need a biblical understanding of peace. Peace is the presence of the Prince of Peace. Peace is our focus on him and his faithfulness. When I choose to focus on his faithfulness, then I am not going to succumb to the same level of anxiety that someone who is focused on what's happening. We remember Peter when he was called by Jesus to step out of the boat and and he had asked for it. Remember that? It wasn't even Jesus' idea. Do you remember that? Jesus is just walking along and the bible actually says it specifies that he was walking as in on a course to pass the boat by a lot of times when i when i would imagine the story like i would think well he was on his way to climb in the boat with them but but the story actually specifies that he wasn't on a course to like intercept the boat he was like passing them And they saw him out there. And some of the disciples were sure that it was a ghost. And Jesus, or excuse me, Peter recognized, hey, that looks like Jesus. And he said, if that's you, trick question, if that's you, tell me to come out there. What was Jesus supposed to say? Not me. No. Yes, it's me. Well, then come and Peter steps out, and he starts walking on the water, and the Bible says that when he removed his focus from Jesus, and he began to look at the waves, he began to sink. Why? Because he took his focus off of the Prince of Peace, and he put it on the storm. This, if there's not a metaphor for 2020, that's it there is a storm going on and we have a choice where to put our focus do I focus on the storm do I keep CNN on a loop in my living room just going and I'm not against being aware of what's happening but Is that my focus? Where is my focus? It's not like Peter didn't know the storm was there when he was focused on Jesus. He saw it. But his focus was on God. In Hebrew, the term for peace is shalom. How many of you heard that? Oh, yeah. In Hebrew, they, they, they translate that as nothing broken, nothing missing, health, prosperity, and peace. The wholeness of life. Peace, God's peace, is a powerful force. <laughs> it's not a drive-through window, it's more like a fine dining experience where we sit down and we enjoy the experience bake meditate in god's word let that peace come into you until it radiates from you <laughs> i my my dad tells a story i was just a little kid but they they were down in mexico And they had gone during Holy Week, which would be Easter week, to the beach with the plan of evangelizing on the beach. And this group, my dad and and, uh, uh, another fellow by the name of Javier and another guy there, they they pooled their finances together and they made a big, big old container of spaghetti, which they were going to eat the whole week. But they burned it. And that was it. It didn't turn out right. And they thought, well, we'll rescue it. So they put in some garlic. By some garlic, we're talking entire heads of garlic. It tasted better. They ate the spaghetti. Had a real hard time evangelizing for the rest of the week. Why? Because that garlic was so in them. If you have ever been around somebody who had just consumed a head of garlic, you realize that it just exudes from their pores. That is the picture of us and the peace of God. It is to fill us when we focus on it, when we meditate on it, and we talked in recent weeks about what it looks like to meditate, meditate is to sit down and focus. You realize we meditate on something. We do. I used the example last week about a cow and how it chews its cud, how it first it just goes and it just stuffs its face full of grass, and then it sits down someplace in the shade, and it's designed this way, from one stomach, it regurgitates it up, and it just chews it up until it's really well chewed, and then puts it back. It just goes through that. You and I do this mentally every day. Every day, life happens. You you watch the news. You see things going on, and then as soon as you have a free moment, you're subconscious and your conscious conscience start pulling things through the day you start deciding what to what happened what does that mean did they do that on purpose is that fair what what's going to happen and just focusing and focus and you're meditating you're meditating and some of us are amazing at this we've got it down to a science We can be upset about anything because we have gotten so good at meditating on those things. We look at the news and we can, how is that going to affect me? Yep, I bet you I'm going to be losing my job and that's upsetting and I'm upset with that politician for what they did do and I'm upset at that politician for what they didn't do and I'm upset at that one for what they're going to do and we just sit back and we meditate, and we meditate. But that is not what Scripture tells us to do. Philippians 6, he says, if you want the peace, Philippians 4, verses 6 through 8, if you want God's peace, then you focus on God. Isaiah Chapter 32, verse 17 says, The work of righteousness will be peace. I want to read that again. The work of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. What is that saying? Righteousness. What is righteousness? Right standing with God works, produces, causes, brings peace. Romans 14, 17, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Notice, righteousness comes first again. Hebrews chapter 7, 2, To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, And then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Abraham, when he gave a tithe to Melchizedek, who was called the king of righteousness, the king of Salem, and the king of peace. And it says first being translated king of righteousness. Some people believe that Melchizedek was a Christophany. Fancy word for an actual appearance of Christ. Whether it was Christ or someone symbolically representing Christ. Either way, the same truth is true. Righteousness brings or proceeds peace. 1 John 4.17 Love has been perfected among us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. How does that apply? The day of judgment is what we fear. We fear Negative consequences. We don't desire that. But there is no fear in love and understanding that you are right with God. When you understand that, when you recognize that we are right with God, not because of what I've done. Not because of what I've done but because of what he has done. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20 says, all these things are from God who brought us back to himself through what Christ Jesus did. And God has given us the privilege of urging everyone to come into his favor and be reconciled with him. We, you and I, have been given the privilege of urging other people to be reconciled to God. For God was in Christ, restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sins against them, but blotting them out. This is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. What is the wonderful message that we get to tell at Christmas? Yes, that Jesus came. But why did he come? He came to bring peace. What brings peace? Righteousness. Right standing, the ultimate bringer of peace for us is knowing that we now have right standing with God, which came because He came. He came to bring that. And now we have, I love how it puts it, the privilege of, of telling others. Number verse 20, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is using us to speak to you. We beg you as you, as though Christ himself were here pleading with you, receive the love he offers you. Be reconciled to God. For God took the sinless Christ and poured him into our sins. Then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. Let's read that again. For God took the sinless Christ, and poured into him our sins. Then in exchange, he poured God's goodness in to us. That is the Christmas message. The message that my sin was put in to Jesus. And his goodness Righteousness, his communion, his relationship with God was then poured in to me. Second Corinthians five twenty one says, "For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God." So many verses describe. Over and over. Romans one sixteen. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to first the Jew, also the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. It is as written, they shall live by faith. That same verse in another translation Puts it this way. It's the Lovett translation. It says, It is the power which emanates from God and saves all who believe it. It reveals God's way of making men as righteous as himself. It reveals God's way of making men as righteous as himself. When we realize that we have been made righteous and a path to righteousness is available to everyone, that brings peace. When I focus on the end result, the bumps in the road lose their power. 2020 is a big pothole in the road. When, when I was growing up in, in high school, I would spend every summer in Mexico and, or another country, but usually it was Mexico. And one of the things we would do is we would drive from a town called Ixmiquilpan, out into these villages, and it would be hours worth of driving. Now, here in the States, we have speed bumps in parking lots. Okay, how many of you ever hit a speed bump when you didn't slow down? Okay, there in Mexico, they would just put the speed bumps on the main highway. You'd come up around a corner, especially at night. Sometimes there would be no reflective sign, and you'd come through a couple of buildings. They would just throw in a speed bump to tell you to slow down. But if you're driving along at... 50, 60 miles an hour, and you don't notice that there is a seven-inch speed bump. It'll rattle your cage. Ka-boom! I have hit so many speed bumps, both driving and not driving, like when someone else was driving. It's just like it is almost an unavoidable experience in the back roads out there. You you hit these speed bumps. What do you do? Keep on going. We are in that place. When you realize that's not the destination, I have someplace else to go. If we stop and focus on what just happened, oh my, this, whoo ooh, whoo whoo What am I going to do? Can I go undo that? I can't undo that. Oh, I remember that cringy feeling. You have when you're, and you're like, oh, I hope I didn't break anything. But what can I do? I lift up my focus. I say, Lord, bless this truck. We keep going. We move, we move forward. God has a plan to absolve us of sin. When we recognize that no matter what happened this week? No matter what happens politically, no matter which party, which individual, which gets, gets into office, no matter what, God is still on the throne. His long-term plans for you have not changed. And when we lift up our eyes... Like Peter, we keep our focus on him. Whatever that storm that surrounds us, we can just walk right through it. Fear is literally meditating in reverse. God has called us to focus on him. Fear is literally Focusing on the opposite. When we focus, and, and I, I, I meant to bring a pair of binoculars with me this morning, and I left them at home. But when we have a pair of binoculars, we magnify what's happening. We, our focus comes on it. But realize, we didn't actually make that thing any bigger. Our perspective of it changed. The Bible says that we magnify the Lord with thanksgiving. Did he get any bigger? Can you make God bigger? No. But he can be bigger in your eyes, in your perspective, as you focus on what he has done. This is a time of year. Christmas is a time when we are all together with nearly the entire globe thinking about Jesus let's put our focus on him and as we said before I'll read it again Philippians 4 6 through 9 do not be anxious about anything but in every situation including 2020 by prayer and petition with Thanksgiving present your requests to God and the peace of of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What is the peace of God guarding your hearts and minds from? If your hearts and mind need to be guarded by peace, what is that peace guarding your hearts and mind from? Just think about that for a second. My heart and mind needs to be guarded from something. Is it a demon with a really big name? I subject to you that you are guarding yourself against focusing on the wrong things. The Bible talks about the the Samaritan who threw out the seeds and it says that when the word of God Sprung up. It was choked. Not by a demon with a really long name. But by the cares of this world. The, the misprioritized focus. On the things of this world. There's nothing wrong with planning lunch. But. When your. Focus. Focus. When your obsession, when your meditation becomes, what am I going to eat? What am I going to do? What am I going to All those, those things instead of God. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart And your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he describes what it looks like. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or have heard from me or seen in me, put that into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. You. I have six more pages we could go into and start talking about some of the barriers unforgiveness different things but I think we're in a good place to close today head into the holidays being a light recognizing that we get we are privileged to tell the world about the Prince of Peace. The darker it is, the brighter the light shines. This year is the best year to steer people to the Prince of Peace. There has never been a Christmas. In our lifetime, where there has been such widespread anxiety, such a widespread need and desire for the peace that Jesus brings. I loved the scene with our kids out here this morning. And as as I could just picture them standing there and some of those kids, the three-year-olds and four-year-olds. And like when we look down, our hearts are just filled with compassion. We recognize their innocence and their potential. I believe that's how God looks down at us. We may be grown-ups, but to God. He sees us like those children. He says, I love you. I want to make you as righteous as I am. I desire to remove that barrier that separates you, that barrier of sin and guilt. If you're here and you know that you've been forgiven, that that barrier of guilt and shame has been removed, that separation isn't there, and you have the righteousness of God in Christ, I want you to raise your hand. That means you know that if you passed away, you'd spend eternity with Christ. So glad to see it. If you're watching online today or if you're here today and you realize, I want that, but I don't know that I have it. I hope for that, but I don't know that I have it. We read multiple scriptures today that promise us that if we call on the name of the Lord, we will be saved. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, If you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and confess with your mouth that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. If you say, well, what saved from what? Saved from the sin that separates you from God. We don't want to celebrate Christmas without an opportunity. If you have not prayed that prayer, if you have not accepted that forgiveness and applied that righteousness to your life, I want to give you that opportunity today with every eye closed just for a moment so no one's affected by any shame or or, or embarrassment, better put. If that's you, I want to ask you, quietly raise your hand and we will pray that prayer and you will leave here knowing. If you're watching online and you want to know, then repeat after me. All of you can join me. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe you sent Jesus as a baby to be born that first Christmas. I believe he lived a perfect life. But then was punished for my sin. Then he rose from the dead. I accept that forgiveness. I choose to live my life for you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.